Section two of A Narrative of the Expedition to Botany Bay by Watkin Tench. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter four The Passage from Tenerife to Rio de Janeiro in the Brazils. In sailing from Tenerife to the southeast, the various and picturesque appearances of the peak are beautiful to the highest degree. The stupendous height, which before was lost on the traveller, now strikes him with awe and admiration, the whole island appearing one vast mountain with a pyramidal top. As we proceeded with light winds at an easy rate, we saw it distinctly for three days after our departure, and should have continued to see it longer, had not the haziness of the atmosphere interrupted our view. The good people of Santa Cruz tell some stories of the wonderful extent of space to be seen from the summit of it, that would not disgrace the memoirs of the ever-memorable Baron Munchausen. On the 18th of June we saw the most northerly of the Cape de Verde Islands, at which time the Commodore gave the fleet to understand by signal that his intention was to touch at some of them. The following day we made Santiago, and stood in to gain an anchorage in Port Praya Bay but the baffling winds and lee current rendering it a matter of doubt whether or not the ships would be able to fetch, the signal for anchoring was hauled down, and the fleet bore up before the wind. In passing along them we were enabled to ascertain the south end of the Isle of Sal to be in sixteen degrees forty minutes north latitude, and twenty-three degrees five minutes west longitude, the south end of Bonavista to be in fifteen degrees fifty-seven minutes north, twenty-three degrees eight minutes west, the south end of the Isle of May, in fifteen degrees eleven minutes north, twenty-three degrees twenty-six minutes west, and the longitude of the fort in the town of Port Praya to be twenty-three degrees thirty-six and a half minutes west of Greenwich. By this time the weather, from the sun being so far advanced in the northern tropic, was become intolerably hot, which, joined to the heavy rains that soon after came on, made us very apprehensive for the health of the fleet. Contrary, however, to expectation, the number of sick in the ship I was embarked on was surprisingly small, and the rest of the fleet were nearly as healthy. Frequent explosions of gunpowder, lighting fires between decks, and a liberal use of that admirable antiseptic oil of tar, were the preventatives we made use of against impure air, and above all things we were careful to keep the men's bedding and wearing apparel dry. As we advanced towards the line, the weather grew gradually better and more pleasant. On the 14th of July we passed the equator, at which time the atmosphere was as serene and the temperature of the air not hotter than on a bright summer day in England. From this period, until our arrival on the American coast, the heats, the calms, and the rains by which we had been so much incommoded, were succeeded by a series of weather as delightful as it was unlooked for. At three o'clock in the afternoon of the 2nd of August, the supply, which had been previously sent ahead on purpose, made the signal for seeing the land, which was visible to the whole fleet before sunset, and proved to be Cape Frio, in latitude 23 degrees 5 minutes south, longitude 41 degrees 40 and a quarter minutes west. Owing to light airs, we did not get abreast of the city of St. Sebastian in the harbour of Rio de Janeiro until the 7th of the month, when we anchored about three-quarters of a mile from the shore. End of chapter 4 Chapter 5 From the arrival of the fleet at Rio de Janeiro until its departure for the Cape of Good Hope, with some remarks on the Brazils. Brazil is a country very imperfectly known in Europe. The Portuguese, from political motives, have been sparing in their accounts of it. Whence our descriptions of it in the geographical publications in England are drawn, I know not, 
that they are miserably erroneous and defective is certain. The city of St. Sebastian stands on the west side of the harbour, in a low, unhealthy situation, surrounded on all sides by hills, which stop the free circulation of air, and subject its inhabitants to intermittents and putrid diseases. It is of considerable extent. Mr. Cook makes it as large as Liverpool, but Liverpool, in 1767, when Mr. Cook wrote, was not two-thirds of its present size. Perhaps it equals Chester, or Exeter, in the share of ground it occupies, and is infinitely more populous than either of them. The streets intersect each other at right angles, are tolerably well built, and excellently paved, abounding with shops of every kind, in which the wants of a stranger, if money is not one of them, can hardly remain unsatisfied. About the centre of the city, and at a little distance from the beach, the palace of the Viceroy stands, a long, low building, nowise remarkable in its exterior appearance, though within are some spacious and handsome apartments. The churches and convents are numerous and richly decorated, hardly a night passes without some of the latter being illuminated in honour of their patron saints, which has a very brilliant effect when viewed from the water, and was at first mistaken by us for public rejoicings. At the corner of almost every street stands a little image of the Virgin stuck around with lights in an evening, before which passengers frequently stop to pray and sing very loudly. Indeed, the height to which religious zeal is carried in this place cannot fail of creating astonishment in a stranger. The greatest part of the inhabitants seem to have no other occupation than that of paying visits and going to church, at which times you see them sally forth richly dressed, en chapeau bras, with the appendages of a bag for the hair and a small sword. Even boys of six years old are seen parading about, furnished with these indispensable requisites. Except when at their devotions it is not easy to get a sight of the women, and when obtained the comparisons drawn by a traveller, lately arrived from England, are little flattering to Portuguese beauty. In justice, however, to the ladies of St. Sebastian, I must observe that the custom of throwing nosegays at strangers for the purpose of bringing on an assignation, which Dr. Solander and another gentleman of Mr. Cook's ship met with when here, was never seen by any of us in a single instance. We were so deplorably unfortunate as to walk every evening before their windows and balconies without being honoured with a single bouquet, though nymphs and flowers were in equal and great abundance. Among other public buildings I had almost forgot to mention an observatory which stands near the middle of the town and is tolerably well furnished with astronomical instruments. During our stay here, some Spanish and Portuguese mathematicians were endeavouring to determine the boundaries of the territories belonging to their respective crowns. Unhappily, however, for the cause of science, these gentlemen have not hitherto been able to coincide in their accounts, so that very little information on this head, to be depended upon, could be gained. How far political motives may have caused this disagreement I do not presume to decide, though it deserves notice that the Portuguese accused the Abbé de la Caye, who observed here by order of the King of France, of having laid down the longitude of this place forty-five miles too much to the eastward. Until the year 1770 all the flour in the settlement was brought from Europe, but since that time the inhabitants have made so rapid a progress in raising grain as to be able to supply themselves with it abundantly. The principal corn country lies around Rio Grande, in the latitude of thirty-two degrees south, where wheat flourishes so luxuriantly as to yield from seventy to eighty bushels for one. 
coffee also which they formerly received from portugal now grows in such plenty as to enable them to export considerable quantities of it but the staple commodity of the country is sugar that they have not however learnt the art of making palatable rum the english troops in new south wales can bear testimony a large quantity very ill-flavoured having been bought and shipped here for the use of the garrison of port jackson it was in seventeen seventy one that san salvador which had for more than a century been the capital of brazil ceased to be so and that the seat of government was removed to san sebastian the change took place on account of the colonial war at that time carried on by the courts of lisbon and madrid and indeed were the object of security alone to determine the seat of government i know but few places better situated in that respect than the one i am describing the natural strength of the country joined to the difficulties which would attend an attack on the fortifications being such as to render it very formidable it may be presumed that the portuguese government is well apprised of this circumstance and of the little risk they run in being deprived of so important a possession else it will not be easy to penetrate the reasons which induce them to treat the troops who compose the garrison with such cruel negligence their regiments were ordered out with a promise of being relieved and sent back to europe at the end of three years in conformity to which they settled all their domestic arrangements but the faith of government has been broken and at the expiration of twenty years all that is left to the remnant of these unfortunate men is to suffer in submissive silence i was one evening walking with a portuguese officer when this subject was started and on my telling him that such a breach of public honour to english troops would become a subject of parliamentary inquiry he seized my hand with great eagerness ah sir exclaimed he yours is a free country we oui. his emotions spoke what his tongue refused as i am mentioning the army i cannot help observing that i saw nothing here to confirm the remark of mr cook that the inhabitants of the place whenever they meet an officer of the garrison bow to him with the greatest obsequiousness and by omitting such a ceremony would subject themselves to be knocked down though the other seldom deigns to return the compliment the interchange of civilities is general between them and seems by no means extorted the people who could submit to such insolent superiority would indeed deserve to be treated as slaves the police of the city is very good soldiers patrol the streets frequently and riots are seldom heard of the dreadful custom of stabbing from motives of private resentment is nearly at an end since the church has ceased to afford an asylum to murderers in other respects the progress of improvement appears slow and fettered by obstacles almost insurmountable whose baneful influence will continue until a more enlightened system of policy shall be adopted from morning to night the ears of a stranger are greeted by the tinkling of the convent bells and his eyes saluted by processions of devotees whose adoration and levity seem to keep equal pace and succeed each other in turns do you want to make your son sick of soldiering show him the train-bands of london on a field-day let him who would wish to give his son a distaste to popery point out to him the sloth the ignorance and the bigotry of this place being nearly ready to depart by the first of september as many officers as possible went on that day to the palace to take leave of his excellency the viceroy of the brazils to whom we had been previously introduced who on this and every other occasion was pleased to honour us with the most distinguished marks of regard and attention 
Some part, indeed, of the numerous indulgencies we experienced during our stay here must doubtless be attributed to the high respect in which the Portuguese hold Governor Philip, who was for many years a captain in their navy, and commanded a ship of war in this station, in consequence of which many privileges were extended to us very unusual to be granted to strangers. We were allowed the liberty of making short excursions into the country, and on these occasions, as well as when walking in the city, the mortifying custom of having an officer of the garrison attending us was dispensed with on our leaving our names and ranks at the time of landing, with the adjutant of orders at the palace. It happened, however, sometimes that the presence of a military man was necessary to prevent imposition in the shopkeepers, who frequently made a practice of asking more for their goods than the worth of them in which case an officer, when applied to, always told us the usual price of the commodity with the greatest readiness, and adjusted the terms of the purchase. On the morning of the 4th of September we left Rio de Janeiro, amply furnished with the good things which its happy soil and clime so abundantly produce. The future voyager may with security depend on this place for laying in many parts of his stock. Among these may be enumerated sugar, coffee, rum, port wine, rice, tapioca, and tobacco, besides very beautiful wood for the purposes of household furniture. Poultry is not remarkably cheap, but may be procured in any quantity, as may hops at a low rate. The markets are well supplied with butcher's meat and vegetables of every sort are to be procured at a price next to nothing. The yams are particularly excellent." Oranges abound so much as to be sold for sixpence a hundred, and limes are to be had on terms equally moderate. Bananas, coconuts, and guavas are common, but the few pineapples brought to market are not remarkable either for flavour or cheapness. Besides the inducements to lay out money already mentioned, the naturalist may add to his collection by an almost endless variety of beautiful birds and curious insects, which are to be bought at a reasonable price, well preserved, and neatly assorted. I shall close my account of this place by informing strangers who may come here that the Portuguese reckon their money in rees, an imaginary coin, twenty of which make a small copper piece called a vintin, and sixteen of these last a petek. Every piece is marked with the number of rees it is worth, so that a mistake can hardly happen. English silver coin has lost its reputation here, and dollars will be found preferable to any other money. End of chapter 5 Chapter 6 The Passage from the Brazils to the Cape of Good Hope, with an account of the transactions of the fleet there. Our passage from Rio de Janeiro to the Cape of Good Hope was equally prosperous with that which had preceded it. We steered away to the southeast and lost sight of the American coast the day after our departure. From this time until the 13th of October, when we made the Cape, nothing remarkable occurred except the loss of a convict in the ship I was on board, who unfortunately fell into the sea and perished in spite of our efforts to save him, by cutting adrift a life-boy and hoisting out a boat. During the passage a slight dysentery prevailed in some of the ships, but was in no instance mortal. We were at first inclined to impute it to the water we took on board at the Brazils, but as the effect was very partial, some other cause was more probably the occasion of it. At seven o'clock in the evening of the 13th of October, we cast anchor in Table Bay, and found many ships of different nations in the harbour. Little can be added to the many accounts already published of the Cape of Good Hope, though if an opinion on the subject might be risked, the descriptions they contain are too flattering. When contrasted with Rio de Janeiro, it certainly suffers in the comparison. 
Indeed, we arrived at a time equally unfavourable for judging of the produce of the soil and the temper of its cultivators, who had suffered considerably from a dearth that had happened the preceding season, and created a general scarcity. Nor was the chagrin of these deprivations lessened by the news daily arriving of the convulsions that shook the Republic, which could not fail to make an impression even on Batavian phlegm. As a considerable quantity of flour, and the principal part of the livestock which was to store our intended settlement, were meant to be procured here, Governor Philip lost no time in waiting on Mynheer von Graaf, the Dutch Governor, to request permission, according to the custom of the place, to purchase all that we stood in need of. How far the demand extended I know not, nor Mynheer van Graaf's reasons for complying with it in part only. To this gentleman's political sentiments I confess myself a stranger, though I should do his politeness and liberality at his own table in injustice, were I not to take this public opportunity of acknowledging them. Nor can I resist the opportunity which presents itself to inform my readers, in honour of Mynheer van Graaf's humanity, that he has made repeated efforts to recover the unfortunate remains of the crew of the Grosvenor Indiaman, which was wrecked about five years ago on the coast of Caffraria. This information was given me by Colonel Gordon, Commandant of the Dutch troops at the Cape, whose knowledge of the interior parts of this country surpasses that of any other man. And I am sorry to say that the Colonel added, these unhappy people were irrecoverably lost to the world and their friends by being detained among the Kaffirs, the most savage set of brutes on earth. His Excellency resides at the Government House in the East India Company's garden. This last is of considerable extent, and is planted chiefly with vegetables for the Dutch Indiamen who may happen to touch at the port. Some of the walks are extremely pleasant from the shade they afford, and the whole garden is very neatly kept. The regular lines intersecting each other at right angles in which it is laid out will nevertheless afford but little gratification to an Englishman who has been used to contemplate the natural style which distinguishes the pleasure-grounds of his own country. At the head of the centre-walk stands a menagerie, on which, as well as the garden, many pompous eulogiums have been passed, though in my own judgment, considering the local advantages possessed by the company, it is poorly furnished both with animals and birds. A tiger, a zebra, some fine ostriches, a cassowary, and the lovely crown-fowl are among the most remarkable. The table-land, which stands at the back of the town, is a black, dreary-looking mountain, apparently flat at top, and of more than eleven hundred yards in height. The gusts of wind which blow from it are violent to an excess, and have a very unpleasant effect by raising the dust in such clouds as to render stirring out of doors next to impossible. Nor can any precaution prevent the inhabitants from being annoyed by it, as much within doors as without. At length the wished-for day on which the next effort for reaching the place of our destination was to be made, appeared. The morning was calm, but the land-wind getting up about noon on the 12th of November, we weighed anchor, and soon left far behind every scene of civilization and humanized manners, to explore a remote and barbarous land, and plant in it those happy arts which alone constitute the pre-eminence and dignity of other countries. The live animals we took on board on the public account from the Cape, for stocking our projected colony, were two bulls, three cows, three horses, forty-four sheep and thirty-two hogs, besides goats and a very large quantity of poultry of every kind. A considerable addition to this was made by the private stocks of the officers, 
who were, however, under a necessity of circumscribing their original intentions on this head very much from the excessive dearness of many of the articles. It will readily be believed that few of the military found it convenient to purchase sheep, when hay to feed them cost sixteen shillings a hundredweight. The boarding-houses on shore to which strangers have recourse are more reasonable than might be expected. For a dollar and a half per day we were well lodged, and partook of a table tolerably supplied in the French style. Should a traveller's stock of tea run short, it is a thousand chances to one that he will be able to replenish it here at a cheaper rate than in England. He may procure plenty of arrack and white wine, also raisins and dried fruits of other sorts. If he dislikes to live at a boarding-house, he will find the markets well stored, and the price of butcher's meat and vegetables far from excessive. Just before the signal for weighing was made, a ship under American colours entered the road bound from Boston, from whence she had sailed one hundred and forty days, on a trading voyage to the East Indies. In her route she had been lucky enough to pick up several of the inferior officers and crew of the Harcourt East Indiaman, which ship had been wrecked on one of the Cape de Verde Islands. The master, who appeared to be a man of some information, on being told the destination of our fleet, gave it as his opinion, that if a reception could be secured, emigrations would take place to New South Wales, not only from the old continent, but the new one, where the spirit of adventure and thirst for novelty were excessive. End of chapter 6 End of section 2